Zai is 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 easier to think of than trying to figure out that with my current spelling. It doesn't make any sense. What what nationality is that or ethnicity? I actually don't know. Okay. Uh, people say it's Greek. Uh, in Macedonia right now, there's a town called Zaius, and there's like a, a mob there. So I don't know if they'd love me or hate me. <laughs> yeah, they love you. Um, but Eastern European. So it could be Polish. It could be Greek. Okay. Italian. Love it. Um, let's get rolling. So, Sean, Zaius, I got to be upfront and had the biggest compliment. I've been on a lot of podcasts. And none of those people listen to my podcast. So I can say this. You were the best podcast host I have ever had interview me. It was the best experience. I actually left feeling not like it was an interview, but like two old friends connecting. So thank you for having such a good podcast. Oh, do you want me to call you Vincent or Vince? What Vince, Vince, whatever you Vin want. Yeah. So Vince, a um, really appreciate that. Uh, that means a lot. I I don't know as well. Like being on a podcast is so different for me. So uh, hopefully, like I can do. I'm not used to it. I'm I'm used to just interviewing. So I'll, I'll I'll try to do my best. But thank you so much. I really feel like you shined through so much on the podcast um, that I'm so excited that dentistry is going to continue just to discover like who you are because you're just an absolute gift. Oh my gosh. The only reason I complimented you so you would compliment me back so that worked out perfect. Do you feel stuck on the financial hamster wheel? You keep paying on your debts like mortgages, car notes, student and business loans, but they never seem to disappear. My name is Dr. Howard Polanski, former dentist, now founder of Cashflow Coach USA. I guide families and business owners through a simple system to dramatically reduce your payment towards debt. You keep your same lifestyle and keep more money each month. A recent client will pay off their house in just seven months instead of the anticipated 20 years. Free 10 minute discovery call will determine if I can help you too. Go to cashflowcoachusa.com, scan the QR code or call 512-608-1020 to find financial freedom faster. Are you tired of using ineffective cosmetics and personal care products filled with harmful chemicals? Meet Ancestral Cosmetics and our range of highly effective products rooted in ancestral wisdom and made with edible ingredients such as beef tallow, olive oil, and raw local honey. Check out our best-selling tallow and honey balm for soft and smooth skin or our revolutionary tooth powder made from eggshells for effective teeth cleaning and whitening without any toxic ingredients. Free US shipping for orders over $50 and you can shop now at ancestralcosmetics.com. So I'm dying to know, because you're not a dentist, why do you give a shit about dentistry? You know, I almost didn't for a while. Um, so I'm 14 years old and my dad left his company that he was part of called Eminem Mars. You might have heard of it, right? Uh, Snickers, uh, M&M's. Yeah. And so there he is, completely guilty of negatively contributing to teeth but positively contributing to, to bring people into the <laughs> dentist right and he leaves that job and long story short he ends up uh creating his own dental supply company um selling manual toothbrushes so there i am as a 14 year old and i'm going to chicago midwinter i'm going to uh, yankee dental in boston and i'm going to the cda in anaheim and i'm like Wow. A, uh, the discus dental, dental girls were really, really pretty, which 
I don't think discus dental is a thing anymore, but they were when I was 14 years old. <laughs> and B, why is there so much candy at these trade shows? Um, so being part of my dad's business, I, I didn't care a ton about products and I didn't care a ton about solving that problem for dentists. And I remember talking to so many dentists, Vince, and being like at trade shows, like, Hey, uh, tell me about kind of some of your struggles or, or what dentistry is like. And almost all of them without exception were like, Oh, I'm just crushing it. Dentistry's, you know, like they just had this facade and I wasn't able to connect to them and call it ego, call it the, you know, what the situation was 15, 20 years ago. It was very difficult for me to connect to dentists because I'm not a dentist. And then all of a sudden I meet this amazing dentist, Dr. Allison House, who at the time, this was like eight years ago, was the president of the Arizona Dental Association. And I met her at a Mission to Mercy event when we're there helping um, the underserved populations in Phoenix get free dental care. And I just remember for the first time feeling like a dentist actually looked at me like a real person and didn't mind showing up uh, vulnerable. So we just kept our friendship going. Um, and then I met this another, uh, this another amazing dentist, uh, Dr. Chris Volchek, and he didn't fit into dentistry. He was literally like the definition of square peg in a round hole. Um, so was a dentist, but didn't fit in and then ended up doing, uh, starting this homeless clinic just to help the homeless and serve them with dentistry. So all of a sudden I'm finally meeting people where I'm like, you know what, like I can see who you are. And you're a real person to me. So I started caring about dentistry again. I was almost on my way out because I'm like, man, if I can't connect to the people in an industry, um, I, I really can't do much because it's only when I'm connected to dentists that all of a sudden I start thinking, hey, what problems do you guys have? What issues are you guys struggling with? And how can I try, you know, through my problem solving, you know, creative, visionary, entrepreneur issues. <laughs> how can I see if I can align uh, some sort of solution to the problems you guys are having? Um, but that's how I got into dentistry because my dad started a dental supply company. And I thought dentistry was a very odd industry. And the, it's only when I started connecting to the people in dentistry and the real dentists that I started actually loving dentistry. And I absolutely love dentistry now. Like I'm 100% persuaded it's probably one of the hardest professions in the world because you're, you, you don't just need to have the knowledge of like an MD. You have to have the surgical skills um, of, of a surgeon. And yet at the same time, you need to have small business understanding so you can run a practice and you can lead people and you can care about your team and care about your patients and manage all of that at once. And I don't think there's an actual mold for that. <laughs> You're either more on the clinical side, uh, more cautious, more, you know, scientific, uh, or you're more people person, but maybe you're not as good on the clinical side. And so there's always struggles regardless. There's not like a perfect mold of this is the ideal dentist. Um, so yeah, my hat goes off to dentists and sorry, Vince, that was like a super long answer to your question. No, that's, that was amazing. Every dentist that's listening just shed a tear and felt heard when you said this is probably one of the hardest professions. I've always thought police officer, military, or like family practice medicine is so hard, but dentistry is up there. So when you're interviewing all these dentists and they're saying they're crushing it, they're crushing it, 
was any part of you like these guys aren't telling the truth or did you really think all these dentists were crushing it and there wasn't any need for you to fix or need for you to fill? Um, I honestly thought they were just crushing it, but I also felt like um, either way, they didn't seem human to me because it's like in the business that I was in, I was struggling just trying to figure out what is what is marketing? Um, what, what is effective branding? Uh, how do I leverage modern design to tell a better story? You know, how do I control the narrative? Um, what are, you know, promotional um, secrets or how do I leverage PR? Um, like, like, like all these different opportunities I'm trying to figure out as a business owner. And I'm thinking, like, I can dedicate myself almost full time to learning this. Dentists, when given the option to either go get an MBA or continue to develop their clinical skills, all of us want them to develop their clinical skills, keep getting CE. So it's like they have to continue education, right? But they're continuing education hardly on the business side of dentistry. So I just figured, gosh, there's got to be some dentists out there that aren't natural business people and need some sort of help. And yet I wasn't hearing that. So yeah, I was just confused. I, I, I was believing them, but suspect at the same time. So it was just weird. When did you find out that it was a problem, the business side and the people side? You know, I feel like the more I met really bold and courageous dentists that had no problem being like, hey, I, I actually, it's like they let me in somehow. I don't, I don't know exactly what that was. Um, but for me, I was never trying to sell my dad's products anyway, because I was looking for connection because I really wanted to understand dentists. And I was obviously at a disadvantage since I'm not a dentist. Um, I think it's like this sacred society. It's like, hey, when you're one of us, you know, we kind of let you in. You, you've suffered through dental school like we did. Uh, you've taken the risk like we have. And at first, I feel like I was just kind of viewed as a, as a vendor. Um, and thankfully, there was a few people that let me in. And then all of a sudden, I was able to connect with dentists more where they realized, oh, you're not out to just try to sell me something. You actually want to know what I'm going through. So then I, I started noticing there's a lot more courage in some of those uh, dentists that were just like, hey, we, we actually don't know what to do. Um, and at that time, also, like technology was advancing so fast and with social media that all of a sudden I could tell dentists were like overwhelmed. Like, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to keep up. We don't know the right ways to be great at customer service and at the same exact time lead our team amazingly well and at the same like thank god there's a demand for dentistry because i think if there wasn't it would reveal some of the inadequacies of dentists when it comes to being great business people right uh thankfully there's people coming in the door often simply because like what dentists do is so valuable <laughs> like someone's in tooth pain they need help. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I actually answered your que question, Vince. Um, so if I can draw an analogy on that, are dentists hitting like base hits and home runs only because like the pitch is so slow? Like because so, so many people need us, our business, because I always hear from every people, other people, dentistry is such a hard business to go bankrupt. Is that because we're not selling big screen TVs? We're actually selling teeth or fixing teeth. So it's easy to keep the business afloat, even for bad business people. Uh, I think there's an aspect of that that's true. And and it bears witness with an observation I made, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, I, I'm looking at cultural 
phenomena and where the marketplace is going, generally speaking. And I'm seeing that like Kmarts are closing. I'm seeing that mass market offerings are closing and things are going toward bespoke. They're going towards boutique. They're going towards independent coffee shops, independent purveyors of fine things, right? It's going from the mass market to the niche boutique bespoke. And yet at the same time that was happening, Dentistry is doing the exact opposite. Dentistry is going from independent owned, uh, independent, which could be viewed as boutique, to all of a sudden corporate. The, the DSO is massively emerging. And that's simply because I think you have these Fortune 500, Fortune 100 executives going, there's so much money funneling into dentistry, but yet where's the opportunity? The opportunity is the fact that there isn't first rate systems, there's not first rate processes, and there's not first rate business execution that's consistent in dentistry, which means there's a big opportunity for them to come in because they didn't, they didn't come in and bring a more genuine expression of heartfelt dentist-patient connection. They didn't come in and revolutionize the way that care was actually delivered when it comes to great outcomes. That's where they still left room to be desired, right? They came in simply because dentists weren't amazing business people. They didn't have the processes. They didn't have the consistency. Um, they didn't have access to obviously first-rate agencies that could get consistent leads in the door. Um, because it, it just seems strange to me. I'm like, why is it that a corporate expression is only growing in this industry, and someone's probably going to jump on me and say it's not only, but why would it be growing in this industry when across the board, consumer sentiment is, is shifting toward unique, bespoke, individual, what's your story, uh, independent purveyors. And then all of a sudden it's like, as a dentist, you have the chance to be like, look, I'm a one, I'm a one of a kind. This is how I do dentistry. This is my unique expression of dentistry. This is my unique brand. And that's what I've always said is the high ground in dentistry for any dentist. If you can own your unique brand, your unique expression of dentistry, that's going to be the safest place because no one can replicate you, Vince. No one can replicate your heart. No one can replicate your perspective, how you lead your team and how you connect with patients. But unfortunately, a lot of dentists end up just kind of doing the whole like, let me look at what's working for everybody else. And then let me just model that. And it takes courage to say, okay, I'm going to model best practices, but I'm going to do it in a way that's authentic for me. Sorry, I don't know how I got there. <laughs> yeah, you're, you don't need to apologize because everything you're saying is very good. So is that where your niche, Sean, comes in, where you're helping dentists and your company becoming a category of one? Um, That's a really interesting way of expressing it. I like that, a category of one. Um. When I podcast with Dr. Allison House, um, with The Authentic Dentist, that, that's our main message to people is that if you can identify that. So through our consulting, that's what we can help um, practices. That's what we can help dentists do. Um, so that's what we do on that side. With Zana, my whole passion is how is it that I can help practices create remarkable patient experiences? And it's like taking my marketing background, it's taking my entrepreneurial background, it's taking my obsession with how do you how do you actually create an experience and a connection that is memorable. Uh, a long time ago when I was doing research, like why does a patient leave a dental practice? Um, one of the things I found out is simply because they experience a general sense of indifference. And another way of saying that is simply that they didn't feel 
a connection. Um, you know, so, so a good way to look at it is this, uh, patients have this thing I call the mailbox moment. They're out by their mailbox, they're getting their mail. And as they're sifting through for something that they're interested in, they might see an ad from a competitor of yours. And in that moment, there's really only two options, Vince. If you are a commoditized practice, lowest price wins. So when they see this new patient special, they are moved by the fact that they can save money. But if when they see this new patient rock bottom special, they see the faces of a team or a dentist or a hygienist that cares about them, it makes you transcendent. You're no longer competing as a commodity because they feel like they belong. And if you can get that patient to feel and experience that sense of connection, that sense of belonging, the likelihood of that lifetime value of a patient becoming extended simply because they feel a connection like goes up exponentially. So my whole thing is like, you can learn all these hacks. You can learn a lot of best practices about how to get leads in, um, how to do efficient dentistry. But at the end of the day, let's not strip away the humanity of people connecting with people, people caring about people. And that's what you do so well. You do that so well um, when you're doing your podcast. And I imagine in the chair, you care about seeing your patient. You care about your team members, them being seen, them being known. So it's like as we're trying to um, make practices more efficient, as we're trying to you know, get higher margins out of what we're doing, if we lose sight of the humanity of things, we're going to wonder why we're opening up a door to all these new patients, yet at the same exact time we're wondering why the back door is open to be losing patients at that same rate. Um, and that's where I end up partnering with practices and really helping them make those connections with patients so that they can give that patient that sense of belonging. So a lot of patient, patients, dentists right now are probably thinking, Sean, am I in the commodity business or the service business? And how do I even know? So what are some things that dentists are doing that will put them more on the commodity side and not the human service side? You know, I would say if you just look at the normal um, stages of growth, just when it comes to people, uh, anything that we're doing, we always start off by modeling. And that, that's incredibly natural, right? Where we model after our parents, we model after heroes. And even in dentistry, in the beginning, uh, you just model after the people that you're looking up to. So one of those questions as an audit is like, well, are you still modeling? Like when you look in the mirror, do you see um, a shadow of your hero or do you see something that is genuine? Do you see something that's authentic? Do you see something that actually resembles you, like the person that you're called to be? And it takes courage. Um, it's interesting, but a masterclass by this guy, Neil Gaiman. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. He's an author. And he talks about the truth that gets told through fiction. And he says it's crazy enough, but as an author, to be able to write good fiction, you almost need to be able to parade yourself down the street completely naked and not care what people think when you're completely just showing this is who I am. He's like, it's an incredibly bold but vulnerable act. And to me, that's the act of any artist. 
any artist that actually wants to say, I'm showing up and this is actually who I am. I'm not trying to hide in the group think of, of this identity or that identity. I'm actually showing up as a authentic expression of who I'm called to be. It is a very vulnerable act. It's a very courageous act and it truly is art. And as a dentist, you're an artist. You have the chance to be able to transform lives in the clinical sense, but also transform lives from, um, I don't know, the, the lives of your, your team members. And if you're able to take the story, the pains, the tragedies, and the triumphs of, of who you are and bring that into your dentistry, I guarantee you, you're not going to be a commodity dentist. You're not going to be one where it's like, oh, hey, I can get that same exact experience in your practice. Because when it comes down to it, can I, can I get a crown in one practice across the country or can I get a crown done in every practice across the country? Every practice. Right? Yeah. We're, we're not selling something different. So it's not the outcome. It's, it's, the, it's the culture. It's the vibe. It's the connection. It's the personalized care that is unique and is authentic that you get to give. And as you're giving that to your team, your team ends up embodying that same exact culture. And it's something that that patient can, can feel and, and can know. I, I always think of it when I think of uh, retailers. Imagine Whole Foods accidentally somehow <laughs> creates some bad advertising and they end up attracting Walmart clientele. That Walmart clientele is going to show up in Whole Foods and be like, this is weird. Where are the rollback prices? Where are the low prices in general? Why is there only high end? Like it, it would be a terrible fit. Um, and yet a lot of times we end up just because we don't know who we are. We're not, we're not branded. We're not clear on who we are. We end up attracting patients that aren't a good fit for us. And then we think we have to do everything we can to keep them, but there really isn't resonance. It makes sense with music a lot because with music, you strike a chord, there's either resonance or there's dissonance. When a patient experiences that sense of dissonance, they don't know why, but something just feels off. When you go into a Chick-fil-A, regardless of where you go across the country, you're going to get a very similar experience. Their customer service is through the roof. They always say my pleasure <laughs> and their food is exactly the same. It's amazing. They have standards, they have processes. And as a consumer, there's just this resonance between what they're saying, what they're advertising and what they're delivering. Um, I've gone into a few mom and pop places that I want to give uh, a shot because it seems like they're bespoke, they're unique. And I show up and I'm like, I don't even know where to order. Um, it's not very clear to me the flow. Once I ordered, where do I go? Is the food coming to me? Do I sit at the table? Like, I don't have a clue what's going on, even process wise. And then all of a sudden it's like, eh, the food's okay, but I leave. And I don't necessarily know what that restaurant, what that burger joint was all about. Like, I, it's confusing to me. There's dissonance. And a good brand doesn't create dissonance. A good brand creates resonance. So that's kind of what you're aiming for um, as a dentist to be able to show up. Um, sorry. And ultimately not be a commodity. I realize I'm like, wait, what's the question here? <laughs> How do we get there? So you said in the beginning, you have to look in the mirror and think to yourself, am I modeling or am I my true self? That's like such a deep question. I know only the individual can answer that. But if I'm your client and I say, Sean, what are some clues? 
how do I know that I'm my true self or am I still modeling someone else? How would you approach that? You know, I feel like that's kind of the, almost the most successful people I talk to. A lot of the times when I ask them about their breakthroughs, they're like, you know what? I was talking to my coach. Um, I was talking to my, you know, consultant and I got challenged in this way. They asked me this one question. They distilled down something. And the coach and the consultant in this uh, analogy is just emblematic of a father or mother because fathers and mothers know exactly how to draw identity out of their children. When you've been mothered or fathered, you then know how to do that same exact thing to your kids as you're as you're listening, as you're paying attention, as you're seeing budding virtues, as you're seeing strengths emerge. So in that same exact way, I would challenge anyone that wants to be the highest version of themselves. It's like, who, who are you hanging around and what, what coaching are you getting where you can have someone else's perspective be like, Vince, this is a gift that you have. You know, they say contrast is the mother of clarity. And that's what a coach can bring. They see a lot of different dentists. They see a lot of different ways in which dentists communicate, they conduct themselves, and they have the ability to distill and say, Vince, you are not perfectly aligned right now. And I see that there's opportunities for you to elevate if you would step into and mature into and develop more of these areas. Because no dentist shows up out of dental school and says, I know exactly how to be my version of who I am. Um, I mean, it's very few. Those are, those are the anomalies, Vince. For, the, for most of us, we're just trying to get our feet under the ground uh, or under us. We're trying to get a stable base of just like, can I figure this dentistry thing out? Because it's super complicated and crazy. But 2.0 and 3.0 when it comes to fulfillment is how, how do I get this so it's, it's play? How do I get this so it's fun? How do I get this so it's my sandbox? The, the, the sandbox I want to play in because this is the way I'm wired. Because if I can align that, then I'm always going to be filled with, I don't know, joy, gratitude, enthusiasm for what I'm doing versus drudgery, dread. If there's dread and drudgery in your life, chances are there's not a lot of alignment in what you're doing in your practice because there's, there's no heart connection, right? There's no heart fulfillment. Uh, I'm probably not giving you the best answer, but I, my thought there is really you, you almost need a mentor to be able to help draw that out of you. Um, the best in every discipline, right? Whether it's Tiger Woods or Tom Brady, submit themselves to someone else's perspective to continue to refine uh, and elevate. So I, I know like Angela Mulroney, I'm not even saying like work with me. Uh, Angela Mulroney amazing dentist, had this crazy tragedy in her life, can't practice anymore. Uh, she's known as the arsonist and she's amazing at breaking people open and getting them to identify what is it about them that's unique um, so that they can be aligned to that. That's also what, <laughs> you know, Dr. House and, and I do. Um, but you just want to find someone that you can work with that, that you feel aligned to, that you feel like they see you. Um, we're all on that journey, right, of trying to level up of trying to figure out who, who we are and try to bring as much meaning into the, the work that we're doing. It's like, as a dentist, you're committed to your practice. You're committed to your patients. So if you're going to spend the next 10 years doing it or 20 years, try to imbue as much meaning in that time as possible by being as aligned as possible 
with again the, the mission, the calling um, of like of who you are. Sorry if that was too abstract. Oh, no. so if I'm paraphrasing this correctly, the route to maybe more meaning or success is to move from commodity to service. The way to get to service is to be authentic, but the way to draw out your authentic self is to get a type of practice that matches your self, your personality, the way your rhythm. And if you have unalignment between who you are. So me personally, I'm a very slow dentist. I need more time for procedures. So if I don't have that lined up, I'm a piece of shit at work. So like I'm more authentic if I can slow down. So it seems like if your practice lines up with who you are, you have a better shot at being more authentic and being more of a service industry than a commodity. What 100% simply because your patients are going to be able to genuinely connect with your vibe because it's going to be real. Like, like humans have an amazingly perceptively like in tune BS meter and we can't always identify when something's off. Uh, we can't always identify why it's off, but you just know. And that's what I'm saying. That's that general sense of indifference where you're just like, huh, I don't know why, but going through that practice, the way I was greeted, um, the way that it was in the, in the chair, then even at billing and, and leaving, there was just no sense of connection. And probably because a lot of what's going on is, um, is forced. Uh, it's not really real and it's very performance based. I guess a really good analogy of this would be when it comes to dating. Um, thank God this was something that like came to me and I can't say it came to me. I need to actually thank God for the fact <laughs> that it came to me. Um, I like I like women, right? I like girls, and I I dated a lot of them in in middle school, high school, um, and in college. I'm really looking for a wife, and I'm really really looking. And um, all of a sudden, like these insights get dropped into me, where it's like, if I do right now, um, what a good boyfriend is supposed to do. There's kind of like a certain way of of charming. There's a certain way of showing up. Um, my brother was amazing at it, right? Right before a date, he'd call three different places and reserve three different tables. And in the course of the date, he'd find out whether she was going to like the Italian or the sushi or the, you know, the, the French place. And he was just so smooth and so suave and so charming. And I realized uh, my brother was a super handsome guy, like, you know, did some acting, was a model. And I was like, Michael, in some ways, you're kind of like a Bill Gates where it's very obvious that you have these charms. You have this, this, this money. You have this wealth. It's very obvious. I'm like, but if you have to play the game of performance and that's why they like you and that's why they fall in love with you, then you're going to have to perform the rest of your life. But if you have the courage to somehow not necessarily um, not, not, not strive not perform, not try to fake it, but you can, you, if you can just rest into who you are and if they fall in love with that, you'll never have to work a day in your life. It doesn't mean you don't want to be your best. It doesn't mean you don't want to give them your best. It doesn't mean you don't want to uh, refine who you are and, and be the highest version of yourself, but it's an issue of alignment. 
It's an issue of not trying to be what the world tells you. You have to be where you strive and you perform and about having the courage to be like, you know what, this is the culture I want in my practice. And it's aligned to the things that make me come alive. I care about people. So I'm going to, I'm going to structure it so that, um, I take my team out once a month or once a quarter and we meet and I get to find out about the dreams that are on their heart. I get to find out how to make them so they're seen because that's what makes me come alive as a leader. Now, if that's true about you, go for it. If not, don't, don't do that. But, but like, there's a problem with freedom. It's the fact that if you look at 360 degrees around you, you have opportunity. Now, if you think of 360 degrees perpendicular to that, there is this like whole sphere of freedom of what you could do to express your unique iteration of dentistry. Now that's scary because it's like, oh no, 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 no. Tell me, tell me what to do. Tell me how I'm supposed to show up. And the reality is uh, we all face that problem of freedom where we actually have to just risk the unknown, the uncertain, showing up as only we can, and then just kind of making these little micro adjustments. But I want to give permission. I want to give dentists permission to at least start that journey, to start in little ways. You don't have to do it overnight, okay? And all of a sudden show up and put your hair down and be like, this is the dentist that I am and deal with it or leave. That You know, you can do it with tact. But I'm just saying the more you can align your giftings, your skill set, your social abilities, um, the, the dreams that you care about. Like there's a doctor I know here uh, in Arizona that I go to that in his practice, he actually has a complete studio because he finds life in that. So during free times, he's uh, live streaming. Uh, he's going into, you know, different groups and, and, and showing up with video and just educating. And it's simply because he's wanting to lead in that way. I wouldn't, that may not be a fit for somebody else. You see what I mean? So like you, you doing this podcast, that's a very authentic expression of something that's a gifting of yours, Vince. And how does that impact your your practice, you know, I don't know. I think it's cool if, if, I don't know if your patients know, I don't know if you have like a, you know, a plaque on the wall or a picture or something. So they know, oh, wow, my, my, um, my dentist podcast, but I'm just saying when you let yourself be seen, the people that see you and connect to you, there will be a resonance that makes it so you're not simply a commodity because there will be that human to human connection that's stronger than any great marketing technique or tactic out there. My consultation room, I turned it into a podcast studio. So it's all glass around me. And every time patients check in and they walk to the operatories, they walk past the podcast studio and they see it. So that, that is so cool. It. it wasn't my idea. I, I heard it somewhere in a marketing class like six years ago before I knew what a podcast was. And, and I always thought that'd be such a cool idea. So let me ask you, are you always your authentic self? Do you ever get scared, Sean, and be like, if I truly expose who I am to this group of people, this may backfire? I would say, Vince, that almost all of the banners that I wave today, which is permission to pioneer, you know, inspiring positive change, failing forward. Um, the reason why I care about them is because they're what I needed to hear when I was growing up. Um, I have massively struggled with 
imposter syndrome. Uh, I have massively struggled with the idea of failure. And I think one of the biggest tragedies that I went through, uh, not, not with life circumstances, but just with my own issue, was that I spent two, three, four years learning in the boardroom and shooting down ideas that could have worked. But I, I was too afraid to ship them. So I just kept trying to dial in using genius and brilliance and whatever I was learning. I kept trying to dial in that home run in the boardroom. Well, what, what does that mean, Vince? That means I didn't launch it into the marketplace. Like true learning doesn't happen in the library, in the boardroom, online, or in a book or in a course. All of that is great, but it's potential knowledge. It's not actual knowledge. It's just potential. Well, potential goes into actual the second you ship something. And then all of a sudden you look and you go, okay, how did the market respond with that? Hmm, okay. They want me to iterate here. Hmm, they didn't resonate with that. Hmm. Now I'm actually learning because I'm applying my knowledge into the market. And I'm letting the market give me feedback. I didn't do that for four years, Vince, because I was like, what if I show up publicly and I humiliate myself? Um, what if I show up on a video according to my authentic self and I get humiliated and I, I don't do a good job. What does this mean about me? So no, Vince, 100%, this has been something I know I'm going to have regret in life. If I don't live aligned, I know I'm going to have regret in life. If I don't go after the things that are in my heart, in my heart, I want, I want the crazy. I want the adventure. I want the, the wilderness. I want to brave the unknown. But yet, that's just my highest self. My normal self is like, Sean, what the heck are you doing? We don't know how to control that. What if this happens? What if you step? The self-preservation part of me freaks out. I always think about it in terms of Lord of the Rings, right? Here I am. I'm a hobbit in the Shire. And I'm dreaming about the wizard coming along the way, telling me that there's this crazy adventure where I have this chance to save humanity by trekking to Mordor to destroy the ring. But the reality is anytime something, even one one hundredth of that comes along my path, I'm like, I'm, I'm fine in the Shire. <laughs> like I like the, the, the pub down the street. I got my friends, things are comfortable. We're good. But there's something inside of me that dreams for the wilderness, the, the journey, the unknown, again, like the sailboat that's tethered to the Harbor that keeps dreaming about the open waters, but is afraid to lift anchor. Well, what if, what if I don't want to live with the what ifs I want to just go head strong into that unknown and say, you know what, Sean, I have one chance right now to try to live authentically. And this is a message that's authentic to me, Vince, but it's not something that I've always been courageous enough to share. So in those four years, you're in the boardroom and I got goosebumps right now when you just said you have to ship it to learn. You have to get out there to learn. That's like, I believe in that 1000%. Four years, you're not shipping it out. Then eventually you ship one idea out. What was that little spark? What was the little change in mindset that gave you enough courage to say, hell, let's do it? You know, I, the first thing that comes to mind wasn't a mindset. It was the fact that I kept reading my journals and every now and then I'd go back and I'd be like, 
I had the same idea two years ago. I was in that same exact rut three years ago. And what have I done? And I'm just like, okay. So predictably, if I know exactly what this loop looks like, let's just play it, play it forward. So the next 20 years of my life, if I just keep staying in this loop, am I going to be happy? I am going to be wildly depressed because only I know where in the deep recesses of my psyche or whatever, I continued to just hide. I continue to not face the giants. I continue to take the easier path. Vince, one of the greatest gifts we can give to ourselves, and this is this is hard for me to discover because of my uh, reliance on God um, and my connection to God, was the fact that like the greatest gift we can give to ourselves, or one of them, is self-respect. And that is when you look in the mirror, you know you're actually being true to who you are. You're not the whole. Hey, I have the dream of starting a YouTube channel. And now three years later, you still haven't started it. But nobody knows that because you're not sharing it with the world. But you know, you're playing it safe. You know, when you get to the edge and you have the chance to jump, you don't. No, no one else knows that, Vince. Only you do. So that's why when you look in the mirror, you got to be brutally honest with yourself. And that's what happened. I was just like, I'm not proud of who I see right now because I, I see someone that's timid. I see someone that's scared and yet I see someone that's dreaming. And that's why I actually don't like, I'm not a dreamer anymore. I used to be a dreamer. I'm now a visionary. The difference is dreamers come up with huge dreams, but there's never a plan. There's never something in their schedules attached to how they're actually going to show up in the arena and do something about it. So they can have these crazy outlandish dreams because it makes them feel like, well, I'm still dreaming. Visionaries, it's like, no, no, no. I am actually going to face that fear and I'm by what? Massive action. And I don't care if my strategy is not perfect. I'm just going to show up and I'm going to show up consistently and I'm going to take massive action because again, I am going to be terrified if in 20 years I look and all I see is a timid, scared person looking back at me in the mirror. That's, that's not me gifting my strengths to dentistry. That's not me. Uh, I just talked to Glenvoe and he's like, Sean, it is incumbent on you to be your absolute best because of everybody that's poured into you, everybody that's invested in you and everyone that's believed in you. So now all of a sudden you take your gift and you squander it. You, you play it safe. Nobody wins when that happens. <laughs> it's almost like you're being selfish by not going for your goals. Like people think the opposite, like, oh, you're so selfish because you're only worried about your goals. But like you're being selfish because you're hiding your gifts. And actually you're providing more value and being more altruistic by going after your goals because your goals are to provide value for other people. Have you read the book? 1,000%. Nope. Okay, no, no, no. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Have you read the book, The War of Art? <laughs> I was just going to say, No. no, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Okay, no. do I have it here? You got to read that book because he wrote this exactly what you're describing. He's the best author I've read that described your feeling. And I talked to Laura Brenner about this, almost like 
there's this nagging feeling in your soul that pops up like every five years. And every time you're not making one more step towards your goal, that nagging feeling gets worse. And it sounds like, like you said, you had a couple loops of that. And then eventually, by the time you got to like the third or fourth loop, you're like, Sean, I would rather die going for the goal than die comfortable not going for it. And that seems like where you were at to make the pivot to pursue the business you're in now. 100%. It's like the man in the arena quote. Um, Roosevelt, have you heard of no, it? No, tell me. So basically, he's saying it's not the critic who counts. It's not the person that's on the sideline that's throwing mud at you um, that, that matters. Their opinion doesn't matter. It's only the people that are in the arena um, because he said there's nothing worse than ending your life and just being one of those like scared and timid souls that never had the courage to get in the game. And what I found out is the people that are in the arena give so much grace and understanding to other people that are in the arena. And that's why step number one for anyone that wants to step up, own who they are, is just um, extend a little bit of mercy to the people that are on the sideline that are critics. I think all of us have been there before where we're like, oh, yeah, I could probably do that better. But then we don't actually have the cojones to back it up and step up and just do it. So it's like, don't worry. There's always going to be critics. We don't need to worry what they say. Step up into the into the arena because it's the only way I feel like that that's worth living. Um, 100%. I love what you were saying, Vince, about it sounds selfish to pursue your goals. It almost sounds like it would be selfish, but it's the exact opposite. I agree a thousand percent. I really believe that dentistry is going to be at its greatest when everyone to my left and everyone to my right just steps up into the spot that only they can occupy to shine to implement, to show off the brilliance that's in them because then true synergy can happen. You're, you know, greatness doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, who knows who I'm going to be sitting on a board with in 10 years from now with a company if people don't step up. You, you don't know who you're going to find connection with and all of a sudden uh, some similar DNA where you're like, man, I love what their, their vibe is if you're still on the sideline. Like, I go to conferences and I love meeting people, but there's a lot of people I don't get to meet because they didn't go to the conference because they're not ready. It's not their time yet. Um, and readiness is just a lame. It's just like it's procrastination, right? I used to be a chief procrastinator, Vince, and no longer um, because the world needs me to be me. The world needs you to unapologetically be you. Each and each one of us has given a, a certain, we've been entrusted with certain gifts and talents and it doesn't serve anybody if we play it small. It doesn't serve anybody if we apologize for the way that we are. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. It did. It, did. it sounds like a lot of this procrastination, because I have this too, is a form of perfectionism. Because I, I had this idea and like you, you can't release it. Cause it's not perfect yet. It's not perfect yet. Like you're trying to dial it in, dial it in, and then you never release it. I probably have 10 people who reach out to me and they're like, I would love to be on your podcast, but my message isn't ready yet. I was like, dude, just come on the podcast. And they're con like 
every other month. Next month, I'm ready. And I'm like, just come on. So it's, it's almost similar to what you're saying is like, you, you can't be ready. You just got to put it out there, get some mud on you, take some embarrassment because that's the only way you can get to your goals. Yeah, that, and that's what I call failing forward. It's like, take a step. Have the courage to take a step with the lack of certainty, the lack of assurance, the lack of guarantees. Certainty, reassurance, and guarantees. Those are things that if you seek them, they will always elude you. And the second you think you have them, you should actually be scared because no one can give that to you. Nobody knows that certain that, that the market is going to certainly show up and reward what you're doing. Nobody knows that. So if you can't have certainty, if you can't have reassurance and you can't get a guarantee, then that means you need to be okay with that tension of embracing the risk of not knowing. And all of us have that same exact risk. So just start today. Take that first step. Put yourself on the hook. Email someone, message someone and say, that book that's in me, I'm going to write it. And I'm telling you this, so I'm on the hook. Show up and be guilty of something. Like, like everyone should be guilty of starting some sort of revolution, some sort of crazy, this is where we're going. This is the flag and the banner that only I can wave. And I'm going to wave it till I die because this is what I believe. And I have the conviction to pursue what, not what, who I was made to be. Um, so again, I know that can be abstract, but it just starts with taking one step. Do you feel like you're finally at a point in your life where you're being pulled towards your goal instead of pushing yourself and grinding towards it? That's a really interesting way of phrasing it. I don't know. Um, I definitely feel like it's way more of a pull. Um, like it's this magnetism that I cannot escape where, um, yeah, like coincidences just keep happening. Uh, I keep meeting people that all of a sudden offer another step up as I'm trying to help them. They, they help me. And it, it's just this momentum that keeps happening. So yeah, I, I feel like so much momentum right now. So I definitely would feel like it's much more of a pull. I felt the pull in my life when I stopped hitting snooze on my alarm and started getting up at five on the weekends. Like I'm excited to get up. There's always a shift in people, right? You, your alarm goes off, either you're like, oh fuck, I hate life. Or you're like, let's go. And I feel like once you can get out of bed without hitting snooze, that's like a good first step. You're probably on the right path. Are you familiar with Tom Billion? I'm not. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, so he... <laughs> Impact yes, yes. Theory. Thin, thin face. He has a po live podcast, right? He like started some nutrition company. Okay. So I saw him live and he gets on the stage and he's like, I'm going to blow your guys' minds. And I'm thinking, wow, this guy's pretty self-assured. And uh, he jumps into his speech and he's like, I am a firm believer in everybody getting as much sleep as they absolutely need. I, I am so extreme about this that I never set an alarm clock. And I'm thinking, okay, this guy's kind of crazy. He doesn't sound very productive. He's like, now with that being said, I never stay up past 9 p.m. And my body typically wakes up at 3.30. Oh, crap. And I was just like, like, it was like the, the hook that I wasn't expecting. Like, it sounds like he's like pro, pro sleep, you know, get your beauty rest. It sounded like very like, 
you know, supportive of those people that feel like they need to snooze. And then all of a sudden he's like, pretty much his method makes it. So he wakes up between three and four every morning. And I was like, dang, that is like next level. And I've just recently started embracing that where I go to sleep at a set time as, as fervently as I can, because I want to wake up as early as my body lets me so I can get going on my calling on my mission. Um, as you can see, I'm very passionate about this. And I love the passion I see in you, Vince, about what you're talking about. Like, I love being around like-minded people that burn for what they believe in. Like, wouldn't have it any other way. Like, seriously, thank you so much for, for even reaching out. You reached out. So kudos to you. I secretly want to be your best friend. So I'm going to slowly text you on your personal number. Like, every, like increase the frequency till it's daily and you'll be texting back. So get ready for that. I'm only doing monthly now. <laughs> Uh, all of us are thinking the same thing. He must not know the definition of secret because it doesn't. Yeah. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so we're coming up in the hour mark, and I always ask one question at the end: What is the biggest takeaway you'd want the audience to have from this hour interview? I want the audience to bet on themselves. I want them to come to one of those moments where it's just them and hopefully <laughs> my voice in their ears saying bet on yourself go all in on you invest in yourself believe in who you are any way in which you're still feeling like an imposter any way in which you're still feeling insecure not worthy not enough get over that lay that aside because dentistry in the world needs what you have they need your perspective all the trials tribulations and challenges from your past i guarantee you if you revisit those you are going to find the gold the gift that you can bring to the world so don't don't try to erase those don't try to run from those listen to what it is that that can tell you it's like i love that analogy of the phoenix rising out of the ashes we all have situations and times in our life when it seemed like everything got burnt down to the ground some of those moments we're ashamed of, some of them are incredibly painful. And yet in those ashes, there is some beauty and it'll allow you, if you connect to it, to give you wings so you can be like that phoenix that rises up. So that is what I want for everybody listening. I want them to be able to take flight. I want them to be able to soar and I want them to unashamedly enter into their strengths, their giftings and shine the light that only they can shine. That's so good. That is such a good message. Thank you for that. Thank you. I always tell my kids, and they're not old enough to understand, but it's not until you hit rock bottom that you truly start living. Because you, you don't know. You don't know how grateful you should be for things. And you don't know how fast time goes. So if you're not pursuing your goals, like you said, Sean, you're going to blink, you're going to be 60, 70, and you're going to be more depressed and regretful then than you are now if you didn't go for it. So thank you for the inspiration today. Can you tell people Thank where you, they Vince. can find you, how they can reach out to you, give them your personal cell phone so they can text you daily? <laughs> if you want to be my new best friend, uh, you can reach me at. <laughs> I should put my best friend's phone number just to troll him. Um, so 
You can reach me at Sean, uh, S-H-A-W-N, um, which is the only really way to spell it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, at Myzana, M-Y-Z-A-N-A.com. Um, or just connect with me on social if, if that works. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm not active. Um, yeah, Facebook would be the best. So that's probably the best way okay. to reach me. Awesome. Well, thank you again. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon.